Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, the art of ghost photography. When I capture these holograms of whether it be a face or a whole body apparition, often nearby there will be a brightly lit orb. So I've come to the conclusion that possibly these holograms are projected by these orbs. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday, week six of the quarantine. By my calculations, I hope you're all doing well. Please let me know how you're spending your time. And I'm always looking for good Netflix binge watching opportunities. Send me your recommendations to richardserrett1 at gmail.com. richardserrett1 at gmail.com. Tim Scalion is here to discuss his amazing collection of ghost photographs from Colonial Williamsburg and Historic 
and Haunted Virginia. Tim is a published author, musician, and photographer with a bachelor's and master's in education from the College of William and Mary. He released the first of a new series of books featuring paranormal photography in the fall of 2016. As an author photographer, Tim was first published by the University of Virginia in its worldwide distributed publication, Trouble Times Companion, featuring a photo essay on North Americans. A highly skilled guitarist, he's published a popular series of guitar instruction books called Shred Tech, with significant sales in the US, Great Britain, and Europe. Tim has also penned a different Christmas novel called Nick, and has written and illustrated a children's book called The Kids Forever Club. Tim Scalion, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I am well, Richard. How about you? Terrific. Thank you. It's been a, a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer, since we last spoke about your ghost photography. And at that time, you had, uh, well, it had been out a couple years, your book, on Haunted Historic Virginia Breakthrough Ghost Photography. Since that time, you've published part two. You've got a couple of other projects that we'll talk about, but, but let's go back to Historic Haunted Virginia, specifically Colonial Williamsburg. For those not familiar who haven't had an opportunity to visit Colonial Williamsburg, and you, you did some time there as a tour guide, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's one of the uh, world's largest living museums. It's on over 300 acres, and it has 88 original 18th century buildings, and the rest of the place is filled with about 350 reconstructed buildings on the original foundation footprint. And what they do daily is they have shops where you could see the way things were made in the 18th century, for example, you see a blacksmith shop, or you see um, a cooper shop. And uh, besides this type of reenactments, they also like to emphasize the Revolutionary War period. And so they will have, periodically, they will have actors out in the streets that are urging independence from Great Britain, and they'll have speeches, and they will have gatherings. All of that to just uh, give you an idea of what it would have been like to live during 18th century revolutionary America. Right. And so you were a, a tour guide there. And I guess people started showing you photographs that they had taken on their cell phones. And you were a photographer. So you figured, well, if they can capture those images, these were ghost photographs. You figured if they can take those on their cell phone cameras... I could do a much better job with my photography equipment. So thus began, what was it, like a seven-year journey of taking thousands and thousands of photographs? Right. It's it, Now in its ninth year, I've taken well over 25,000 photographs. And what I don't want to give your listeners is the idea that I get a ghost in every photograph. No. I would say in about one out of every 40 to 50 photographs, I'll get a good ghost photograph. And the others, fortunately, I can delete because I have the digital camera. I don't use film, and they are passed into history. But the uh, the ghosts that I do get are sometimes amazing. Sometimes uh, they have shapes they, that, uh, i, I got to say for, for myself, some of them appear just like regular humans, and there are other shapes that sometimes appear almost as if they're aliens. So 
I've, I've got a variety of different photos from not just Colonial Williamsburg, but all over the United States now that uh, speak of an alternate paradigm that uh, is living right alongside ours that we can't see with the naked eye, but the new technology of the camera is able to pick up. Let me just go back to Colonial Williamsburg for a moment, and which is the subject of the first book, Haunted Historic Colonial Williamsburg and Breakthrough Ghost Photographs. And out of those thousands and thousands, I believe there were about 200 and something photos that actually 230. made it, 230 photos that made it made it into the book and now of course there's a, a part two breakthrough ghost phot- photography of haunted historic virginia could you i don't want you to give away all your trade secrets but you've sort of experimented and come across ways some some techniques of taking photographs that that dramatically increase your chance of capturing a ghost on a photograph could you tell me a few of those those tricks well, I'm, I'm not going to give away everything, but no, no. Uh, one of the things is that you have to have a very good camera, a lot of uh, megapixels in it, and you have to be able to microanalyze the whole photograph. And that's because ghosts don't always appear as a whole body apparition. Sometimes you'll get a face or, or even a partial face. Now, a lot of times this will happen in windows of buildings or if you're on the inside in mirrors. And I believe that's because there there must be something to the crystal-like structure of glass in mirrors that uh, enables them to make a, an appearance. It's usually a lot clearer than if I get them out in the, in the street. And another thing that uh, ghosts are drawn to are children. So I, I'm not telling people to drag their children out on their ghost hunt. Nevertheless, if there are children around, for some reason or other, ghosts are attracted to them and they will often show up. And does it make a difference whether it's daytime or nighttime? No. In fact, not only have I taken photos of ghosts in the daytime, but I've also, since I've been doing interviews on the radio all over the country of ghosts that they've stumbled upon quite by accident that they've taken in the daytime. And let's just talk about some of the photos that appeared in Haunted Historic Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, Part 1, and then we'll talk about Part 2 and some of the other projects. There's an image, I believe you describe him as kind of a Santa Claus. Do you know the one I'm referring to? Yes. Can you tell me about that photo? What's funny about that is that, first off, that was taken at the College of William and Mary, and that's at the oldest building in fact, it's the oldest educational building in the country on record, and it was started in 1695. Now, it's burned down several times, but the shell, the brick shell, has essentially stood the test of time. And when beards were in fashion, that place was almost like a fortress. And now, for, first, I, I should say that it was used during the Battle of Williamsburg, May 5th, 1862, as a hospital for the Confederate Army. But a day later, when the uh, Union Army moved in to take possession of Williamsburg under martial law, that became a kind of fortress. The Santa Claus-like face was from that Civil War era. And, of course, I don't know if it was either Union or Confederate. But what was interesting is that I had taken pictures of that same side of the building on different days, uh, several different days, in fact, and I would get something in that very same window that it was kind of cloudy. It just looked like a mist was forming. 
character ever showed up until the final day that I took that photo. And the mist seems to convalesce together into the shape of that bearded face that was quite amazing. Do these ghosts, do they have consciousness? Do they know they're being photographed? Or are they, are, are they simple echoes from the past? No consciousness. Not only are they conscious of me being there, but they want to be seen. Because in, if you've, if you've lit, gone through the book and you've seen some of the other photographs, it almost looks like there's a competition to be seen where one face is appearing over another face and uh, sometimes I'll get like uh, seven minutes. Now, I don't always show that because I usually like to gravitate towards the one clearest face that shows up because it can be quite confusing when you see a whole bunch of faces that every once in a while, for example, the, the Nicholson house in there, I showed a window that's just absolutely full of faces. And I have to believe that because they're peering over top of each other, that they want to be seen, they want to be recognized, perhaps they even want to be helped, I don't know. Do they pose? Some of them do. Um, one of the interesting photographs from the Bryan house, and, and I actually stumbled across this by accident, was uh, of a man standing behind a woman and holding his hand over her mouth. And it looks like something nefarious is about to happen. And they're just standing there looking at me as I'm taking a picture of the house next door. And I just happened to capture them on the corner of that house because I had a wide-angled lens. And for I didn't see them for about the year, first year because I wasn't even looking at the corner of the other house. I was concentrating on the first house. And I just have to believe that they wanted to be seen for some reason or other. Perhaps maybe it was even the woman that wanted to let people know that uh, something bad had happened to her on the corner of that other house. You mentioned they are attracted to children. When there are children around, let's say outside the, the buildings in Colonial Williamsburg, what do the ghosts, what are they doing with the children? Are they, do they gather around them? Do they try and reach out to them? I can't say, I can't answer that question with any degree of certainty. All I know is that when I am down in Colonial Williamsburg, and for example, there are a group of children, perhaps on a regular tour, perhaps on a ghost tour, that whenever they're walking around and I'm photographing houses in the vicinity when that's happening, the guests show up much more so than if it was either a group of adults or if there was just nobody out there. And let, let me give you another example. Now, this, this is from my second book, but uh, I had taken pictures of what's called the Powder Magazine. It's an octagonal-shaped building that was a place where in the 18th century they stored things like gunpowder and um, rifles, tents, canteens, and anything that a would need to fight a battle. And this, this building in particular was built in 1715. It is an original building. And I had taken pictures there. I had, I had gone by this building like 30 or 40 times and taken photos and gotten nothing. And then one day there were a group of middle school students 
that were waiting program to start from Colonial Williamsburg, where essentially they had a group of military actors that were training the kids what it would be like to be in the Virginia militia. And so they made an appearance, they had their little ceremony, and then they invited the children into the yard where they were going to show them how to march and how to bait orders, you know, like a 30 to 40 minute program. And during that period, I photographed a number of orbs that had gathered. And so I decided to stay and see if I could pick up anything. And what I ended up getting was a photo that had a whole militia of ghosts, more ghosts than have ever been captured in any, in any photo previously by anyone in that photo. And as far as I'm concerned, they were there for those kids for whatever reason, ghosts are attracted to those kids, and they were there. Now, not only were they lined up in formation along the powder magazine wall, when the ceremony, the drum beats and the uh, fife were being played, but when those kids entered that yard, the ghosts immediately went out of their lineup and they surrounded the kids. Fascinating. Now, what is the, the relationship between the orbs and then the full-on apparitions? Do they appear first as orbs? And then, I don't know, does it require more energy uh, and time for them to turn from an orb into a full-on apparition? I believe so. I, you know, I can't say for, with any degree of certainty, but I can say this, that very often when I capture these holograms of whether it be a face or a whole-body apparition, Often nearby, there will be a brightly lit orb. So I've come to the conclusion that possibly these holograms are projected by these orbs. Now, I, I, again, I don't know for sure, but that, that's my conclusion based on the photographic evidence that I've gathered. And, and obviously, the, um, the whole-body apparitions or even the faces are nothing solid. They're often translucent, and you can partially see through. Have you ever captured an image of a ghost that someone was able to identify from a painting as an actual historical figure? Yes. And one, it's a pretty big historical figure. Now, one of the things I got to say to preempt this with is that very often when I get faces in the windows, particularly the uh, rectangular windows that are dominant in Colonial Williamsburg, the faces will often conform to the shape of the window so that they will be a little bit longer than a normal human face. I don't know why this happens, but it happens all the time. So that said, there is a building there called Christiana Campbell's. It's a tavern, and it just so happened to be Washington's favorite place to eat when he was in Williamsburg, and he came here quite often. And I captured a face that looks quite a bit like paintings of Washington. So I'm not claiming absolutely that the face that I captured is Washington, but it's, there's a remarkable similarity given the fact that uh, the face is just a little bit longer than a normal human face. Still, the features look quite a bit like Washington. You've also gone to Mount Vernon and, and taken some photographs there at 
Washington's uh, home and the location of uh, his tomb. What what did you uh, uncover there? Well, f- funny, I didn't capture anything that looked like Washington at Mount Vernon. But what was striking for me was that in one of the outbuildings, if you're facing the back of the Mount Vernon home, they had several interpreters, young female interpreters dressed in 18th century clothing, and they appear to be sewing something. And I was just taking photographs from the outside, and there was a large window, and I could peer inside and see them sort of in a ring around the um, window area at a table. And they were, like I said, uh, I believe sewing and laughing and talking. And right behind them, unbeknownst to them, what appeared to be the apparition of an African-American slave appeared. And uh, he was in stark contrast to the smiles that these young ladies had on. He had a very shall I say, forlorn look on his face as he was looking out at me, almost as if, as if he was stuck there inside that building. And interestingly enough, right at his shoulder appeared another face, and I believe it was female, but I'm not sure. But she was only able to make a partial appearance where you could just see the the head and in fact, the head wasn't quite clear on the one side. It was as if the head was in motion. But I captured both of those apparitions standing right behind these interpreters as they were working and laughing and smiling. And I couldn't help but think to myself, how much laughter would they be engaged in if they knew that that ghost was right there behind them? Right, right. What about Civil War uh, battlefields uh, in Virginia? Is it Bull Run, uh, the one that's closest to uh, Washington, D.C.? I, I believe so. Yeah. I haven't, I have yet to go to Bull And I've been to, uh, down here in Williamsburg, I've been to the battlefield here. And uh, both in Gettysburg and here in Williamsburg, I've captured some profound photos of, uh, in some cases, faces, in other cases, uh, what what I call these Casper-like figures, a Halloween type of ghost, where it's a person with a sheet over it. But I have captured uh, quite a few things, more things in Gettysburg than I did down here in Williamsburg at the battlefield. What's going on with these Casper-type ghosts that don't look human? You you know, I I can't say. I, I only can wonder if they have an inability to appear as their former selves or is there a lack of energy in the air or around them that they can transmit an accurate hologram of what they look like? Or is it, is this something that they learn how to do and these ghosts haven't yet learned how to create the hologram of themselves? I don't know. I can only wonder. Do the ghosts ever reveal evidence of how they died? So, for example, on a Civil War battlefield, do you ever see ghosts uh, with some sort of an injury, the fatal injury, a missing limb, etc.? No, I have not. But to answer the first part of your question without being on a battlefield, yes. And, and in fact, that was one of the first photos of a human-looking face that I ever captured. And unbeknownst to me at the time, he was revealing that he was a suicide victim to me. And 
When I took the photo, the eyes and forehead were somewhat but the air around the nose and the mouth was kind of black and mottled. And so I did some research and I couldn't find anything. So I talked to one of the interpreters that worked at the place where I had taken this photo. And he explained to me that there had been a man that came in there in the 18th century to the uh, man that owned the house, who was Peyton Randolph. And he came to see him because Peyton Randolph was a well-known lawyer. And he was escorted into the parlor where he was waiting. Evidently, the man was so distraught that he pulled out a pistol, put it in his mouth, and ended his life. And so right there, I was able to see that this fellow didn't have any area that was distinguishable around the mouth and nose area because he had blown it away with a pistol. More of my conversation with Tim Scalion when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. I've been telling you all about Life Change Tea and Formula 13 teas now for months, but since I'm in Greece and living right by the sea, I thought I'd like to take a minute and tell you about a couple of products I found on GetTheTea.com that come from the sea. Ocean Sleep utilizes Regulus, a breakthrough new ingredient only available through Potent Sea. Regulus is an all-natural, bioavailable form of calcium and magnesium, which helps you enjoy a sound and refreshing sleep with no side effects. Ocean Sleep also acts as a gentle digestion aid. And Marine Aminos, a genuine new discovery that's recently been registered with the FDA as a new ingredient for dietary supplement, extracted from the meat of sustainable fished marine mollusks. Marine Aminos are among the most condensed and purest forms of proteins on Earth. There's so much more to GetTheTea.com than tea. Don't get me wrong, the teas are fantastic. But take a minute and explore. GetTheTea.com. Keep an eye out for monthly specials and use the code word UNLIMITED to get free shipping on your purchase. And don't forget to get your tea from GetTheTea.com. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Ghost photographer Tim Scalion is here. How do the uh, people that run the museum feel about your collection of, of ghost pictures? Well, as is so often the case in our society, it's often looked on with a lot of doubt. And, and that's because for so long, people that have uh, been, let's say, let's say in the news, newscasters and news reporters have often disparaged people that have supposedly seen ghosts or any type of the paranormal. So you seem to be classified as someone who is perhaps unintelligent or on the lunatic fringe of society because normal people don't see that. Now, I believe that's starting to change because so many people are getting ghost photos without even trying the the ghosts are actually appearing in their 
in their photographs of their taking of something when they have no intention of capturing ghosts. And so, again, we're looking on people that don't really want to admit that these, these photographs that I've taken are for real. Now, some of them, yes, but more often than not, particularly the higher-ups do not like to admit that, yeah, I've got ghosts captured, for example, at the Edgar Allan Poe Museum. I captured ghosts all over that place, and they don't like to talk about it. Which is interesting because perhaps, I'm guessing, many of the, the employees there have seen these ghosts. Yes, some of them are willing to talk about their paranormal experiences, like at the Edgar Allan Poe Museum, and others are either afraid or don't want to admit that they've seen anything for fear of being called on the lunatic fringe. And what's going back to Colonial Williamsburg, what's interesting about that is that employees there are forbid to talk about ghosts. And if they do, the result is a firing. Seriously, So it's wow. even harder to get ghost stories out of anybody. And if I do get ghost stories out of them, they will often say, do not include my name in this story. So I guess we won't find a copy of uh, Breakthrough Ghost Photography of uh, Haunted Historic Virginia in the gift shop at Colonial Williamsburg, which is a shame. I mean, that would be, I think, a selling feature. That would bring more people to Colonial Williamsburg, don't you think? I, I do, and here's the hypocrisy of it. Colonial Williamsburg has their own ghost book, which they're push, pushing on people, and their own ghost tour. And yet they, they uh, make that kind of a firing condition where if you talk about ghosts and you're an employee, you're going to get fired. That's puzzling. Uh, so let's go back to the Edgar Allan Poe Museum, and in, in, that's in Richmond, I believe, Richmond, Virginia. Tell me about what you captured on film there. Well, the uh, first time I went up there, I didn't capture a whole lot. I was kind of disappointed, but uh, it was a uh, rather cold winter day. And uh, I decided, and, and this happens a lot too, that uh, I'll go up one time and I won't get anything. And then I'll go up on another time. And for whatever reason, the ghosts want to make an appearance at that time. So the second time that I went up, it was, there was a lot more people there, and um, yes, there were some children there, too. And I took, there are several buildings in the museum complex. They're all small former homes that have uh, various different articles and, and things that are associated with the famous author. And so I was going from building to building, and... The most interesting place that I photographed was the North Building, and there were quite a few faces that were looking out of the windows at that building. And what was even more interesting is they had a small program where the people were gathered out in the yard, and there was a water fountain right next to the uh, gathering. And I took a bunch of photographs of the water fountain because water seems to be conducive to uh, making ghosts appear to flowing water. Oh, that's interesting. And so there was a head at the top of the 
water fountain appeared right in the water, just the head, not any other part of the body. But it was clear enough that you could say, yeah, that's a ghost. And did any of the images bear any resemblance to the man himself, Edgar Allan Poe? One of them was similar. It had the wavy curly hair and the ha- it had the mustache, but the image was looking down and the part, the mouth area was cut off. And so I could, can't say, with, yeah, that's Edgar Allan Poe. All I can say is it looks a lot like him. I wanted to jump ahead to a, a, a project that um, you're working on it now, and this has to do with ghost photography behind the paranormal TV shows. So you visit the locations. Let's say, for example, I'm guessing, I don't know, but the uh, the uh, the penitentiary in, in West Virginia, which is one of supposedly one of the most haunted locations in America. In fact, I think it was... It was considered for the location for uh, Shawshank Redemption, but I think they, the last minute they decided at, uh, to do it at the Ohio State Penitentiary. Did you go to the West, West Virginia Pen? No, I haven't been there, but I have been to the Penhurst Asylum in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia, and I've got to say without a doubt that that is one of the most haunted places that I have ever been to. Now... Unfortunately, I was not able to go there for any any time during the night or evening, the amount of time that the owner gave for me to go through there. But even in broad daylight, I captured close to 40 images that were very clear, and I could tell that the place was extremely haunted just from those 40 images that I captured going around and I did not get a chance to photograph every building. I was in quite a bit of a rush. So you're getting the photographic evidence at these locations that the paranormal TV shows are not, which I'm wondering, though, is it does it have maybe more to do with you than the, the, the photographic technique? Is there something maybe about you, Tim, that the ghosts like, that they want to reveal themselves to you? You know, I don't, I don't know for certain, but um, I will tell you this: that uh, I went up to a paranormal group in Maryland and gave a book presentation and a um, PowerPoint show. And when I was there, they they have a psychic that's associated with that group. That's uh, he's written several books and he's been on uh, a lot of different paranormal radio shows himself. So he's uh, somewhat well-known, at least in that part of Maryland. And he told me that he recognized as soon as I walked in who I was, what I did. And he said, and the ghosts recognize you too. So that's the best answer that I could give you. Right, right. Tell me about your, uh, your, your photographs in Las Vegas around casinos. What are you finding? Well... This is a lesson for me and for anybody out there that's doing paranormal research that uh, I was in Las Vegas for just one day. And so I decided to look up and see what places were haunted. And uh, I discovered that uh, the MGM Grand Hotel slash casino was supposed to be one of them. And so I went there, I went inside and I started taking photographs. And I had no more than four photographs taken. Then I was 
surrounded by security that said, I'm not allowed to take photographs inside the casino. And uh, they were polite, but they essentially stopped me and threw me out. And that's because, as I was informed, there are people that go there that at that time are not supposed to be there. And I could be recording them or I could use uh, people's hands as they're playing, let's say, blackjack or some other card game. And I might be working with them to try to cheat and uh, have somebody win money. So I only got four photographs out and... I captured ample evidence of it. Now, what what you need to know is that Las Vegas is the suicide capital of the United States. Makes sense. I didn't yeah. know before I did research. And there are not only people there that go there and lose all of their life savings to gambling and then commit suicide, but there are also people that just travel there from other parts of the country because, simply because they don't want to commit suicide at home in front of their families. And that, that's one thing that I did not know. But when I took those photos in the, um, in the casino area, one of the most striking was a gentleman. He kind of looked like he was from the seventies. He had long brown hair. He had a uh, long sleeve white shirt on and blue jeans and he had sandals on. And the whole third of the back of his head was missing in the photo, which makes me assume that he committed suicide by uh, shooting himself in the mouth. And there are a few others. One, one of the ghosts appeared right in front of a, a guy as he's sitting at the table with a hand of cards in his hand. And he's looking right up at the guy. And there are um, several other apparitions that are walking around that casino and what I found out since then was that the MGM Grand that has the ghosts is no longer the MGM Grand. It's Bally's. Because in 1980, they had a fire at the MGM Grand. And the fire, which should have been put out almost immediately if they had had the proper sprinkler system and alarm system in there, because they didn't, it killed 87 people and over 700 people were, were injured. And so what I found out is that after the fire that Bally's restored it, so Bally's is the place that's really haunted with the uh, folks that died in that fire and not the MGM Grand. And yet I, I picked up ghosts in every photo that I took in that short, bit of time that I was at that casino and I'm just assuming that uh, they are victims, suicide victims that were still hanging around that casino room. I don't know if they're trying to gamble or if they're trying to warn other people not to gamble or what their purpose was, but they were there in the photographs. Where do you know, because you don't see the ghosts with the naked eye, where do you know where to point and click? Sometimes I do know because of the the place is supposedly haunted in certain parts of the area and, and other times I have no idea like the time I went to the MGM Grand and so I just take as many photographs as I can. So you know one one afternoon or evening at a place I may take between three and five hundred photographs. So I'm bound to get something in all with all of them. Thank God for digital photography. 
Thank God, yes. I wouldn't have the money for the film. How do people get a copy of uh, Breakthrough Ghost Stories? Uh, sorry. How do people get a copy of Breakthrough Ghost Photography of Haunted Historic Virginia, the first one on Colonial Williamsburg? Part one and part two are available at my publisher, Schiffer. It's S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R's website, or the easier site to get to would be Amazon. They're both on Amazon. And one thing I might mention is that I published a second edition of the uh, first book that I did. And that was because that I had gotten so many more better photographs after learning the ins and outs of paranormal photography that I just had to go back and redo that first book. So I changed, I, I put in over a hundred brand new photographs and seven new chapters in my first book. And uh, some of the photographs that I got since then are are pretty amazing, which is why my publisher was willing to redo the book. Well, Tim, uh, I hope people can um, get a copy and, and uh, have their minds blown because you have really, you've set the new standard in terms of ghost photography. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on again. And thank you for having me. And, and I've got to say that it's blown this former skeptic's mind I never expected this whole alternate reality when I myself doubted it. I'm sure you'll turn a few skeptics into believers once they see the book as well. Thank you again, Tim. You're so welcome. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. Here's Colleen Forges, our full script dispensary manager and nutritional therapist. Hey, Colleen. Hi, Richard. Tell me about hair, nails, and skin. Well, we have a product from Pure Encapsulation, which is called Hair, Skin, Nails Ultra. And what I like about this product is that it contains collagen, and that's a big buzzword, very beneficial for all of those, the skin, hair, and nails and some other natural vitamins and nutrition. Biotin, for example, is one that's included in this product. And it's great for just making sure we're taking the best care as we can of our hair, skin, and nails. Hair, Skin, and Nails Ultra. And that's available at my Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary. All you need to do is visit strangeplanet.ca and click on the Full Script Dispensary button and register. Don't forget, all orders receive 10% off, and orders of $50 or more ship for free. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, Benjamin Baruch on the Book of Jeremiah, the coming tribulation, and coronavirus. They are the unseen rulers of this ruined age. They are under the direct control of Satan, and they've dominated the government of our nation for the better part of the last hundred years through their secret societies, in which America is Mystery Babylon. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. The 
that is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>